So I, I always find it uh, a challenge and also a delight to give us some different experiences um, for how we practice. I think often we, we feel that we have it all together and because of all the years of, of what of has, we'll, call, we'll use the term evolved of worship, that we must have it better. And what I really like about this fifth Sunday is it reaches back to, to what the church was like in the first, you know, really first five, six hundred years. Kind of repeating some of these things that, that, that they didn't have Bibles in front of them, right? They didn't have um, all the information, the access to what we have now. And so this is a great way to build people's faith, to, to express truth. And so it's always fun for me when we get, it's a little nerve-wracking for me, to be honest with you, I won't, I won't want to mess anything up, when we get to the fifth Sunday because you just reach back and you realize, especially for you young people that I see all around, the faith that we are talking about, the faith that you stand upon is not a passing fad. It's not a Snapchat conversation that's going to go away in just a little bit. It is something that you can stand upon because it has stood the test of time and gets richer and richer as God's grace sustains our lives. So, um, it's a wonderful thing. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about grace. And have you ever just stopped for a moment and been overwhelmed with the love that God has for you and the grace that he has given you. And I hope that as we talk more and more and as we grow together as a body of believers and as we invite others to join us in our great faith, that what they experience is grace. You see, the grace of God is for all, anytime, and all the time. And so we read in our gospel account today, there was this landowner, right? So he had a vineyard, and he, it was a 12-hour shift. So he came at 6 a.m., and he said to some guys, hey, you, you, need, you need work. And they're like, yeah. He goes, go out and I'll pay you a day wage. Go for it. Go out and work in my vineyard. So 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Now, a day's wage, let's say it was $10 an hour. That would have been 120 bucks for 12 hours. I think my math is right. You just have to add a zero after the 12. Well, okay, 120, right? And so, and so there it is. They're working. And then he went out at 9 o'clock and told some guys, hey, go into my vineyard and work. And then he went out at 12 o'clock, lunchtime, and said, go out in my vineyard and work. At 3 o'clock, go out in my vineyard and work. At 5 o'clock, go out in my vineyard and work. And see, what happened was, those last guys worked for an hour, and then the, the owner said, okay, let's pay these people. And they come in, and the people, obviously, that went to work last, they were first, because they didn't get way out into the vineyard, right? They, they were right there. And... They started with them, 120 bucks. 120 bucks? That's 120 bucks an hour. I want that job, right? <laughs> and so the guys at the end who agreed to work for a day's wage are watching this. And they're thinking, hey, right on. I'm going to get more. And when they get there, they get 120 bucks. And they're kind of grumbling. They're like, I've been with you all day. And he says, why are you begrudging my generosity? You agreed to work for this. And if you read the accounts as we went through it, they were the only ones that agreed on a set price. Jesus said, well, Jesus said, the owner said, go work. Got ahead of myself. You see, we need to always remember, if we find ourselves begrudging the grace of God, that we all, from his fullness, have received grace upon grace. 
grace upon grace upon grace. That idea of grace upon grace means is a grace that doesn't run out, that continues to fill you over and over again. And, and maybe think about this. You see, these, these workers at the beginning of the day were like, how is this fair to the owner that we worked all day and yet we get the same? And it made me think of, well, how is it fair that Jesus took all of our sins? He did everything for us. He died so that we might have life in him, yet he was innocent. That's not fair. My mom used to say when I would say, that's not fair. She would say, life's not fair. And if she really wanted to emphasize it, she'd say, tough bananas. Um, you know, I'm a tough bananas, life's not fair. You know, oh, great. Well, that's a great idea. Life's not fair. Sorry, it's not fair. It's not fair. But they were begrudging the fact that he was generous. A good way to remember grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. So we look at the cross. We are given all the riches of heaven in Christ that God has for you because of what Jesus did on the cross. Great. Another way to, to define grace, it is getting what you don't deserve. Those guys at the fifth hour, they worked an hour, they got 120 They didn't earn 120 bucks. Not at all. Do you think they're pretty happy that they got the 120 bucks? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sweet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and come back at 5 tomorrow night and see what happens, right? You know. Um, but the other thing that happens is when we're given this grace, that grace upon grace that we talked about. Um, God is asking us that we would give it out too. And let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than a stingy Christian who doesn't want to give grace to somebody else. It's like, wait, have you stopped for a minute? Now, this doesn't mean to be taken advantage of. I, I, want, to, I want to clarify that. Because some people take, oh, you don't want me to be stingy, so you're just saying I just always... No, because there's a fine line between helping somebody out and then enabling them. But the attitude of our heart should be ones of grace, that we want people to receive the grace of God and that we have the ability to give the grace of God. So don't be stingy. I don't know if this is like a lunch ad or something. I'm not really sure. But uh, that kid should take his hat off if he's in school. Okay. Um, but it reminds me of a story of an old lady years ago when, uh, when Mayor LaGuardia was the mayor of New York City. Now the mayor one, one evening went to night court gave the, the judge the time off. He says, hey, let me, let me be the judge while you go spend time with your family. So the first case that comes to him is this old lady who had stolen some bread, a loaf of bread. And so the shop owner was like, she has to pay. This is not okay to steal. And so Marilyn Guardia asked the, the old lady to share the story. She was a widow. Her son-in-law had just passed away. And she had her daughter and two grand, small grandchildren with her. And she was stuck. She didn't know what else to do. She had no money. And so she took the loaf of bread. And the shop owner, even after hearing the story, said, was indignant. Said, no, she needs to pay the penalty. And the mayor said, you know, you're right. There is a penalty for this. You did do wrong. The penalty is $10. So he reached into his pocket and he pulled out $10. He goes, the price has been paid. And then he looked to the course room. Well, that was grace, right? Right? You know, she deserved to, to have to pay the $10. And she couldn't pay the $10. And he knew that, and he paid for it. It gets better, though. Then he looks to the whole courtroom. And he says, and all of you, including the sto store owner and himself, are being fined 50 cents because you allowed a woman like this to go hungry in your city. 
So after they collected everything, she got $47.50. So I think she didn't get what she deserved. But that's a beautiful picture for us to understand a little bit on this side of heaven of how grace works. But I think when we understand that grace, it really impacts how we work in this life, how we function in this life. So I want to encourage you parents, and I know this is hard. Trust me. You know, since our kids have left the house, it's a lot calmer in our house. I mean, I know that. I get that. I love having my kids in the house, and I miss them every day. But it's a little quieter, not as much arguing in the house. So there's hope for all of you who are struggling with that, right? But I want to encourage you parents when you're talking to your kids. Talk with words that are seasoned with grace. Have grace in mind, especially when they're in trouble. I was convicted years ago about how I treated my kids because I would often discipline them for my convenience and not for their benefit. Now, hopefully that stings you as much as it did me because I'm happy to share that. But often we discipline our kids for our convenience, not to benefit them. But if we're thinking through the lens of grace, then maybe, just maybe, I can give them what they need and the benefit for them. And we need the Holy Spirit to do that. Trust me. We need help. Maybe you're a couple, right? And you have a relationship. And sometimes, uh, if you're anything like me, um, I don't always speak correctly to my wife. I won't go into the confession from Bible study this morning. But, but I don't always speak correctly. But if I would just stop and go, wait, God, you've given me so much grace. You've dealt with me a grace upon grace. Maybe my words can be seasoned with grace. Kids, yeah, you don't get out of this too. But maybe when you're relating with your siblings, even when your siblings aren't being very kind, think about how can I be gracious to them? And then our, just our regular um, relationships outside of family. How can I be those who are seasoned with grace? How can I give that grace to others? And we need to remember Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So when we're talking about grace, I think one of the things for me, and, and hopefully this will help you as well, how can I be a gift to this person in this circumstances? How can I gift them with something that they know they don't deserve or they don't earn? How can I give them something? So God asks, share grace. Right? And I pray that that would be something that we want to do. We want to share grace. Remember this owner of the vineyard, he shared lots of grace. He just gave it out and he was generous. It didn't affect his pocketbook at all. I mean, the guy was rich. And those first people, man, if, he, if they would have said, oh man, you've given so much to me, how can I bless somebody else? That would have been a whole different story. Might not even made it into the Bible. <laughs> but we want to share grace. You might recognize this man. It reminds me of the story of Billy Graham, who uh, got pulled over for speeding, you know? Oh, no. So 10 miles over the speed limit, and the police officer said, you're going to have to go to traffic court. So he goes to traffic court, and the judge is kind of looking down and says, well, what do you have to say? And he says, I'm guilty. I did it. I went over the speed limit. This is, you know, I broke the law, so I'll, I'll pay the fine, I guess. And then, and then, uh, the judge said, well, it's 10 bucks. So back in those days, it was a dollar for every mile over the speed limit. It's not that way anymore, just so you know. <laughs> so it's, but then the man looked up and noticed that it was Billy Graham and said, oh, he goes, I'm going to pay this for you. He goes, I, I appreciate all they've done. I'm going to pay this for you. And, and, and Billy Graham's like, no, I should pay it because I, I, I'm the one who did wrong. 
But the judge insisted. Not only did the judge insist on paying, but the judge insisted on taking him out for a nice steak dinner, one that Billy Graham would never think of. I'm going to go out and eat the steak dinner and just fellowship with the judge. And the judge, you know, just just loved on him and, and actually encouraged Billy Graham in a great way. Now, I'm not saying to go out and get a traffic ticket so you can get a free steak dinner. That's really not how it works. But there was a lot of grace here that was given to Billy Graham. Reminds me of Jesus, right? Jesus hung on the cross, paid for you, all your sins and all your debts. And then what does he tell us? He tells us to come on, I've got a great feast planned for you. So not only does he take care of your sin and pays the price for your sin, but then he provides a banquet feast that will be indescribable. I don't know if there'll be pizza in it, but there's pizza there. It was, you know, it's going to be the best food you've ever had. Remember, the grace of God is for all, anytime, all the time. You need the grace. I need the grace. Everybody needs the grace. And our response is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us so much grace. Thank you, Jesus, that even if I come on the 11th hour, I know that you are going to receive me. You see, this would have been hard for those early workers to understand because they were raised in um, this interesting culture that God established of blessing and curses. God would command, if you did it, you got blessed. If you didn't do it, you got cursed, right? So they're thinking, wait, I'm supposed to be blessed. Because it's not fair that you bless those guys as much as me. And just to quote my mom again, well, life's not fair. Let's not begrudge the generosity of God. And I think sometimes we, you know, we would say, oh, we're so happy that God's blessing that person. We're so excited for them. But then inside we're going, why is God blessing that person when I've been faithful to him all these years? And they just came to the Lord two years ago, and now everything's going well for them. What's wrong with that picture? And I think we hear the words of God saying, do you begrudge my generosity? It reminds me of, of Peter. So God is, is telling Peter how he's going to die. Jesus is sitting there telling him, okay, you're going to be martyred for the faith. You're going to be killed because you're going to profess my name. And so John, or, or Peter looks over at John and says, well, okay, yeah, well, what about him? And if you read the gospel account, especially the gospel of John, there's an interesting little uh, competition between John and Peter. Uh, it's really kind of fun to watch. John always calls himself the one whom Jesus loved. So, like, he outran him to the tomb. The one who Jesus loved passed Peter to the tomb. It's fun to just look at that. Because they were human, too. Right? But, so Peter says, well, how's he going to die? And Jesus says, well, what's that to you? You follow me. And sometimes I like it when Jesus speaks so plainly and speaks the language of direct, sometimes biting um, rhetoric. It almost feels a little stingy. Like, well, what's that to you? You follow me. And I think we have to hear those words from Jesus sometimes. When we're kind of like, what about this person? What about that person? How come that person? And he sits there and says, now I'm sure it's more gentle than I would say it. But he says, well, what's that to you? Basically saying, well, what difference does that make in your relationship with me? You follow me. And that's hard sometimes to hear. But when we have that difficulty, we need to remember that he has given us the throne of grace. And I love that he calls it that, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace and receive help in time of need. Maybe you need some help with grace today. Maybe you need to be overwhelmed a little more with the grace that God has given you. Maybe you need to be rejuvenated by the fact that you have been given grace. 
So I want us to think for just a moment. And we're going to answer some questions. Oh, there's a test. No. When do you need grace? Oh, you guys are star students all the time, right? Let's just go home. You guys got it together, right? How about this one? When do others need grace? All the time. Man, my work here is done. Let's go. All the time. You're right. It's all the time. And I think for, the problem with us, though, is we forget this. Oh, I want grace for myself, but I forget that that person, I'm not pointing at you, Doug, really. But I am. You do need grace all the time, right? You, 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 you. We all need grace all the time. Reminds me of another boy. So he wasn't very good at stealing when he was young, right? I mean, he, he not fooling anybody there, um, right? And so, but, but he wanted things that he couldn't have. And this continued on throughout his life until where, I don't know what's happening with his arm there. But, um, but where he became labeled as a thief. That was his identity. When, when people who knew him, oh yeah, that's the thief. We know him. Because he had that arm trick, I guess. He could get things. <laughs> well, day came, he got caught. I mean, you know, you can only go so long before you get caught. And he got caught. And he had no defense because this has been the pattern of his life. And all he knew himself, even he called himself, he looked in the mirror and said, yeah, I'm a thief. I am guilty. I deserve the penalty that happens for those who are caught in thievery. And he's like, this is who I am. I don't know how to change it. Well, this guy gets punished and he finds himself next to our Savior. Now, think about those 11th hour workers. They went into the field and got paid the whole day for just one hour. This is the 11th hour if I've ever seen it. And all he looks, at, he goes, Jesus, I know I deserve to be here. You don't. And he says, remember me. And we know, hopefully, the words. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine what that was like? And not only that, there was a great feast prepared for him. And I think we all sit there as I get emotional thinking about this. You know, what a great God we serve. That he would love to that extent that, that someone in his last final breaths would say, Lord, remember me. It wasn't even like the sinner's prayer that we've all been taught over the years, right? It was just saying, admitting, Lord, remember me, please. He's at a point of vulnerability. He cannot do it on his own. He can't take himself off the cross. And he knows this is this is. Jesus, the Savior next to him, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, yes. I, today you will be with me in paradise. And I pray that that's our heart for others. That they would just come to the point. Now, this is a horrible place to come, right? To have to call upon the name of the Lord. But this is our hope. This is our hope that God continues to sustain, continues to love us continues to accept us and bring us in. It's also our hope for other people. So don't stop praying. Don't stop loving. And don't stop giving grace. Because he has prepared a table, Jesus, for us to feast. And we get a glimpse of it today. And I think as we come before the Lord and we receive the body and the blood, one thing for us maybe to think about is I am here because of the grace of God and he's given me a foretaste of what I get to experience in heaven. A taste of the feast of heaven. 
and that we would just take the time and just relish the fact that grace has been given. Remember, the grace of God is for all, anytime, and all the time. Let's take a moment and reflect upon that.